0: Welcome to Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, billion-dollar acquisitions, troubled waters for some biotechs, and a prosperous outlook for others. The views expressed on life science today are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations with which they are affiliated. Myovant has agreed to sell to Sumitomo Pharma for $2.9 billion. Earlier in October, they rejected a $2.5 billion bid by the same company. The original offer supposedly deeply undervalued the company, but the 16% raise in price seems to have covered the gap. While the deal pays off the minority stakeholders, Sumitomo already held over 50% of MyoVant's stock and has invested nearly $600 million, including a $200 million loan, back in 2020. In reality, Sumitomo is only paying $1.7 billion for the outstanding shares. The structure of the deal places MyoVant as a wholly owned subsidiary of a subsidiary of Sumitomo called SumitoVant. The deal comes as MyoVant's leading therapy, Regulolix, sold as both OrgoVix and Myfembri continues to see success. It's now been approved in prostate cancer, heavy menstrual bleeding from uterine fibroids, and pain associated with endometriosis with a phase 3 study ongoing for pregnancy prevention. On top of their direct success, they are partnered with Pfizer for strong continued commercial development under the Sumitovant banner. But to review a little history here, Roy Vant was the founder of Myovant, but Myovant, along with a number of other companies, were spun out in 2019 as part of the massive deal with Sumitomo. Sumitovant was created out of that deal and already holds another of the Vants, Eurovant, under their banner. So in a sense, this deal is a shuffling of existing Sumitomo companies that were not previously fully owned, but that were already separated from the central Roy Vant hub. So lots of Vance in the name, but no Roy Vant at the center of this deal. After a couple of stunning years in 2020 and 2021, and then a massive $17 billion acquisition of the CRO PPD... Thermo Fisher has been relatively quiet, consolidating and repositioning for a post-pandemic world. This week, they signaled a recognition of the continued priority that niche diagnostic tools are going to play in the coming decade, with the acquisition of the Binding Site Group. The company was on track to deliver approximately $220 million in revenue in 2022, so the 2 dollars billion-dollar acquisition represents a significant premium on future value and integrated value within the larger Thermo Fisher family. The key trend to pay attention to is that as biopharma continues to focus on rare disease and personalized medicine therapeutics, particularly in oncology, the drivers for associated diagnostic tools will remain priced at a premium for those companies who can capture a market share. The true rumble of recession passed through the biotech world as Astellas Pharma purchased rights to Tasia Therapeutics, Rhett Syndrome gene therapy, and a similar program for GAN for just $50 million. The deal is actually purchasing 15% of Tasia's stock and set off rumors of potential acquisition down the line. Taisha has been struggling with falling stock dropping 94% in value since mid 2021 and no clear reprieve in sight. This $50 million infusion could be the sign of a way out for a company struggling with a long term pipeline and no meaningful mechanism of achieving the kind of capital investment needed to reach their goals. To double down on the chance for capital, Taisha also announced a $30 million common stock offering. Despite these asset inputs and cost cuts, Tasia spent $33 million in Q2 with a mere 66 million in the bank. This placed them on a tenuous pathway even with potential loans to draw down. This new cash infusion likely pushes the cliff out 6 to 12 months, but with wary investors and low stock prices, Astellus's buy-in may look more like circling vultures than a lifeline. I would anticipate further significant developments here by Q3 next year at the latest. In a similar harbinger of cash-strapped biotechs, Agios has sold their rights to 5% royalties on the sales of Tivsovo for $131.8 million. The oral therapy, which is approved to treat several oncology conditions, was sold as part of the $1.8 billion deal with Sevier last year to hand over Agios's oncology portfolio. Now, Sagard Healthcare Partners is effectively investing in future gains on that portfolio, while Agios takes in more cash for today to put into their pipeline, including the current significant clinical investment in their leading therapy, Metabovat, a PK activator. While Agios has a bit more cash-positive position than Tayshia, they did burn $92 million in Q2 alone, and I suspect they were dropping down close to going below $1 billion in cash and cash equivalents. While it might seem easy to cut this bleed, the current stage of their clinical programs and the low income from their approved indications from Metabovat place Agios in a critical position to bridge the gap with as much capital as possible. Their preference, as made obvious by this move, is clearly to have cash now over royalties trickling in in the next few years. Lest I paint a picture that the outlook is all bleak for biotechs, it's not. Like the market as a whole, it's tumultuous. In the same week as the moves by Taisha and Agios, another biotech completed an outsized public offering, raising an additional $690 million. This move by the vaccine developer Vaxite comes as the company released data showing their phase 1-2 study for their 24-valent pneumococcal conjugate vaccine was extremely promising. The vaccine is safe with high tolerability. Now the question, does it really work? Well, the initial data are promising, showing impact on critical, targeted strains. As Vaxite looks to launch a pivotal phase 3 trial in the back half of 2023, this critical capital raise will see the company on their way. Plus, it doesn't hurt that on top of the cash influx, stock values themselves shot up over 100%. Vaccine organizations are probably still seeing a bit of a COVID boost over other biotechs. And I do want to point out that other organizations are working on somewhat similar pneumonia vaccines. This doesn't mean that Vaxite doesn't have some unique technology and promising data, but they're also not the only horse in the race. With some pharma incumbents still in play, it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of years play out for Vaxite's approach to bacterial vaccines. Thanks for joining me for Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. Learn more on LifeScienceTodayPodcast.com. And if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.